Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Kaz here once again for the Say Less Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, everywhere, SoundCloud, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. I've been having a lot of fun with these. They've been really therapeutic, great conversations with great people. If you haven't checked out the past episodes, you could check out uh, the ones with Boss, Peter Rosenberg, B. Dot from Rap Radar and MTV News, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Van Lathan. It's been a great, great run of episodes. But this episode is going to be really fun, man. If you've been stuck inside the house like myself and literally millions of others across the world, you've been binging on a lot of Netflix. And if you've been binging on a lot of Netflix, odds are you have binged on All American. Uh, I loved the first season. Uh, the second season couldn't have come at an even better time. And uh, it's once again a hit show, man. It's one of the top trending shows on Netflix. And uh, on this episode, we are talking with the executive producer of the show and the person who the show is based on, Spencer Pazinger. And uh, we get to get into the nitty gritty about what's real, what's not the most accurate, um, and just some really fun conversations just about, you know, representation on television, the fun parts about creating All-American, his life as a true NFL player and a Super Bowl champion, and um, many other things, man. If you haven't checked out the show, uh, you can catch it on The CW, but uh, you can also get on Netflix and stream it all right now. Season 2 is available, and Season 3 is coming real soon. Emilio, hit the fucking music. Spence. What up? I'm good, man. How you living, bro? I'm trying not to go crazy in this house, man. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Who you are preaching to the choir right now, man. Yeah. I know I know you got the uh we'll just we'll just roll right into it right now. I know you got the, the newborn at home, I can hear him in the back. How's how's homeschooling going? How's that whole thing going? Man, I'm at the point now where I think we've seen every Disney film <laughs> on Disney Plus. Like I see I see online everybody's like, Oh, you gotta put your kids through school. Whatnot, like yeah, that's true. You gotta put them through maybe an hour or two a day of it. But at the end of the day, like they, the kids' mindset and their attention span at home is not conducive for school. Mm. So it's just finding that balance of like, all right, you, you know, you can watch Mulan for the fifth time today, but we also want to get this work in. Absolutely, absolutely, man. man. We we haven't caught up in a spell, man. It's been a minute, bro. Like it's been like well, it's got to be what like a year and some change since yeah, he's on flagrant. Yeah. I know, I know we, we like mainly, uh, you know, go back and forth on, on Twitter on topics and whatnot, but in terms of just like chopping it up together, yeah, it's been a minute. It has been, man. Lots of things have changed. I mean, obviously, with everything going on in the world, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that have been uh, moved up or changed, but, you know, one of the big winners has been streaming platforms and Netflix and your show, All American, has been one of the top trending shows on the platform, man. So congratulations on that. Nah, I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been crazy these, this past couple couple days, past week or so, and it just felt like it hit at the right time, especially everybody being quarantined and whatnot, and that's going up season two on Netflix, you know, within that first week of the quarantine. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, every time I open up Instagram or Twitter, I get about 50 new DMs of uh, casting call requests and 
bro, I want to be on your show, blah, blah, blah. So it's, I'm just taking it all in stride. It's, it's been great. Bro, so, like, I mean, I remember the first time we, we really talked on podcast home was on Flagrant, and you were yeah. talking about the show. You were talking about, you know, the format of it and, you know, the kind of things that you were planning for it and uh, the premise of the show. Now we're two seasons in. Uh, critically acclaimed, um, lot of lots of people talking about. It. It's been a success for er, in every way, shape, or form that uh, a TV show could be successful in 2020. Man, how do you think? Uh, just just tell me the first couple of days filming the show and even casting the show. Did you think it would get this far, man? Like, how how do you think? Man, I knew if we had the right people in place. Uh, it could definitely do some numbers. I mean, even with, you know, shout out to my producing partner, Dane Mork. You know, when we first thought of the, just the initial idea of what the show could be was just, you know, a kid that's from one area going to school at a, you know, predominantly white neighborhood of a high school in Beverly. And we were like, yo, if we can, if this hits on all the right accords, this can be the next, you know, Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill, OC, Friday Night Lights, and kind of exposing that to the black community, the black and brown community. Um, and I felt like I felt like we did that. I felt like we're doing it essentially. You know, going into season three, the stakes are just as high. I know I, I don't want to put any spoilers out there for anybody that hasn't seen the show already, but you know, in those in those early days, you know, we were sitting there from the jump thinking, if we do this right, it can it can hit. Well, it, it's been hitting. I mean, you've obviously been you've obviously been doing it right. So, I mean, you know, for for folks who obviously know about the show uh, and know that the main character Spencer James is based on your life, um, just from season one, man. How how much how much did it really affect you as far as like being able to tell an accurate depiction of your life and an entertaining one as well. Yeah, man, and that's that's been the biggest thing too. Is and I know with with your background in writing unscripted, uh, especially with you know uh, WWE or whatnot, you kind of have to straddle the line of what's real and what's and what's not. You know, at the end of the day, I tell anybody that's wanting to that wants to know like you know what's true and what's not. I said at the end of the day, you know, we have to make a compelling TV show for CW. We have to we have to bring in the you know, the 13-year-old viewer as well as the 70-year-old viewer. And, and to that point, we have. But those those early days of just, like, understanding what we wanted the show to be, understanding, you know, what Spencer James' compass is, I had to do a lot of, you know, soul-searching and, and diving back into my memory of old stories that I hadn't thought about, old memories I hadn't thought about in years. And really, it was kind of therapeutic because I'm looking back on stuff that I hadn't thought about in you know, 10, 15 years, like, that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, shit, I did get put over by the police and, you know, handcuffed in the middle of, of, of Beverly Drive in the middle of the day and thinking, like, yeah, it was fucked up back then, but now as, like, a, as an adult, especially with a son, understanding what I, how I want him to move in this world, I'm looking back on these things like, man, that was, I know it was fucked up back then, but this this is some traumatizing shit. So, it was it was it was crazy therapeutic, you know, having the conversations with with my mom on her perception of me as a as a teenager of like my little brother and, and how, you know, I didn't know to what extent he looked up to me or wanted to strive to be like me in some sense. So just talking to the family, you know, talking to my pops and being like, that's one thing I can say, like my pops isn't dead out there. Like anybody that has Google can look it up. But 
you know, getting comfortable telling these stories uh, that are rooted in truth and sort of exposing myself in this new way. Now, for the uh, obviously for the show, for people who watch the show, a lot of people are really drawn to the relationship between Spencer and uh, his coach Billy, who is in, um, you know, at Beverly. And if I guess if you haven't seen the the last episode of season two. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I would just love to know um, what the relationship is with the real life Billy right now and yourself. And did he, you know, help uh, the creation of the show? Because he's he's an integral part, especially being played by Tate Diggs. And he's probably the most uh, notable uh, guy on the show before uh, all American started. Um, what's your relationship like right now? Yeah. So so who, ba- who Billy Baker is, is loosely based on my uncle. Uh, my dad's brother. So back in back when I was 13, I think it was like 13, 14 year old entering high school, uh, my dad ended up taking a coaching job at San Jose State University. Um, as well as I, you know, it's not in the show as well, but I do have an older brother named Justin that's three years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, literally all within like one summer, my house goes from five people to three people. And now I'm the oldest male in the house having to take care of my little brother having to just like take anything off of my off of my mom's plate as I could. But, you know, when it when it comes to Billy Baker, like it's my uncle. It's my uncle Carter. He was the head football coach at Beverly at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually after I left Beverly, he actually ascended to the principal role at Beverly Hills High. But he's he's always been a mentor. Uh, he's always been a mentor to me in terms of just how to move the world. I mean he he literally taught me you know, what a workforce was, you know, I saw him on, you know, driving to school every morning, we're talking and he's, you know, talking how he talks, you know, a 50 year old black man and then picking up the phone and putting on his voice, you know, like <laughs> he just, he just taught me how to maneuver in that world. Because again, you know, I'm, I'm 13 years old, you know, pretty much going to black and brown elementary and middle schools. And now I'm being thrusted into this whole new world that he was already in. So he was like, no, you can, you can do some good here, but you've got to do it a certain way to get as much out of it. Now, your relationship with Daniel Ezra is something I'd love to uh, hear more about because I feel like more people are starting to see how talented he is. And, you know, me personally, I had no idea dude was British. I've just seen a, <laughs> a viral video going out. I'm like, this is a real voice? I'm like, well, what, yeah. when did this happen? So um, I would love to just know uh, how much you walk him through uh, being being you. Man, bro, I I don't I don't hold his hand. I don't walk with him in that way. It's more so when we when we first started it out and and he landed the role and we met, we talked to him, but a handful exchanged numbers or whatnot. I told him straight up. I said, listen, you know, you can ask me a million questions if you want or nothing at all. At the end of the day, I want Spencer James to stand alone from Spencer Basinger, uh, just because it, it helps me you know, understand the story and, and help create the story myself if I look at Spencer James as a separate person to myself. So I told him, like, I'm here for you if you need me, but by no means do you feel like you need to follow me and, and pick up any of my nuances to create a character. This is your character. This is your whoever you want Spencer James to be. Put it out as you feel it, and I'll just be a resource to you. So, I mean, even when it's on set, like, you know he he's a he is a professional in every sense of the word when it comes to when it comes to an actor. Like when he's in, he's in. He's always early. He's always there. He's he is to me the blood of the show. So I told him, man, I, I'm a resource for you. But 
if you if you need to talk to me, I'm there no matter what. And if not, I'm totally fine with it. But I'll I'll always be indebted to him. Now, Spence, it's been uh, you know you, you mentioned it earlier in the, in the conversation, but you said if done right. This show could be the next Dawson's Creek, the next OC. And, you know, this is just, you know, in the, in the world of either reality shows or binge watching shows or just, you know, not having a whole lot of very compelling scripted content, especially, you know, a show that's, I'm assuming, just aimed more at teenagers than it is for grown men. I've seen a lot of grown men really enjoying the show. I see Vince Staples uh, tweeting something out uh, the other day <laughs> talking about, oh, man, they got to they gotta put this somewhere else. This is really in Crenshaw. I would have happened like this, this, that, and the third. So, I mean, I would just I would just love to get your point of view on, uh, you know, being able to speak on being raised in Crenshaw and making sure, especially right now with, you know, last year, the first season started with a tribute to Nipsey Hussle. And I know how important he was in the, in the making of the show and being a part of the show. And just the responsibility in uh, representing Crenshaw in a time where the, the world's eyes were on it. Man, that was, that was number one at the top from, from day one when we were talking about what the show could be and, and just about the balance of showing South Central as opposed to Beverly Hills. You know, a lot of times when you depict when you depict the hood, no matter what hood you're in, you always depict it as this down, you know, desolate area where, you know, if you go just across the bridge or you go across the water, you can find greener pastures. I didn't want the story to be that. I didn't want it to be that, you know, a, you know, a white neighborhood saves a black kid from a black neighborhood. It was, yes, this black kid's going into a new area, but this area has its own unique problems. You know, on the other side of that, when it comes to South Central, like, South Central's a family. Crenshaw's mm. a family. That's something that, you know, even even in the the marketing behind how we were doing Crenshaw, you know, a lot of people wanted to say, let's call it South L.A. because Los Angeles, for some reason, is trying to rebrand South Central or South L.A. And I'm like, no, nah, we're not doing that. If we're doing any promo when it comes to South Central, it's called South Central or it's called or we can create this somewhat new area as Crenshaw. Like, we don't really, in South Central, we don't really, like, identify the Crenshaw area as just Crenshaw. It's just South Central. But I felt it was a unique opportunity for us to plant our flag and say South Central is its own community within, I mean, uh, Crenshaw is its own community within South Central. So uh, it was it was, it was was imperative that, you know, for me, having grown up in that area, having, you know, ran through those same streets as, you know, Nipsey did and whatnot, not in the same capacity as him, but um, it, it was just a unique opportunity. I felt like if we, again, if done right, you know, the sun can shine on South Central on TV as it does other areas. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when I've watched teenage shows growing up, it mythologized the Beverly Hills, it mythologized Melrose Place and all this type of stuff, and now kind of feels like Crenshaw is getting that sort of same love. And you mentioned it before about it being, you know, the OC for this generation. Um, in what ways do you think you might have accomplished that? In what ways do you feel like you think you still have some steps to take to, um, you know, accomplish your goal? I mean, for me, when it comes to, you know, the steps that we did to accomplish that, I think it's those twists and turns that we kind of built into into the show where, you know, at the end of every show, you're left with a somewhat of a what the fuck moment. Of mm-hmm. a, Damn, you know, I think I could put this. I think I could put this away for the day. But then that that cliffhanger comes, and you're like, ah, oh, all right, let me just run it back. Let me get another episode in 
before I go to sleep. I think, you know, leaving that fruit on the branch for people to grab at, I think that's what makes us successful in, in, in terms of the One Tree Hills and the Dawson's Creeks and whatnot, because, you know, they were keen on that. They were like masters of just, just leaving that mystery out and leaving just enough for you to want to come back that next week when they were on. And, and now with, with Netflix and all the streaming platforms that we have, you can lock out the whole season in a day and a half. I know we, we, should, we talked about that. But in terms, of, in terms of more growth for the show, you know what? I just think just understanding that this show is doing a lot of good in, in places that, one, we foresaw, but two, you know, we had no clue. You know, I'm getting hit up by, by kids whose parents are out of the picture, and it's allowing them to understand that, you know, their parents are just people at the end of the day. You know, they're not just mom and dad. They're, you know, they're who they are and who they were before before they had their kids. So just understanding that, you know, the show is helping. The show is helping heal a lot of families. The show is helping start dialogue within families. And I think if we stay to that recipe, we'll be good. Now, you mentioned how important, uh, and, and forgive me for not knowing the actual name, but when we were texting before, you mentioned the importance that your, your showrunner was a black woman, and the cast is majority black. And in, in many cases, you know, white people sort of serve as the minority on a show that is very mainstream-leaning. Um, how important was that for you to be able to correctly depict uh, relationships between, you know, black and white people in different sides of the track, you know, especially there's certain episodes you speak on gentrification, especially on the season finale and, you know, uh, and, and Crenshaw High School possibly closing down. And, you know, how important was it for you to be able to tell those stories in a unique and accurate way? I mean, man, although the show pretty much has my name on it, it's it's ran and, and controlled and and just pioneered by Keisha Coral Carroll. Like, that's a... That's a shout out to her. That's our showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's she's an absolute beast when it comes to story. When it comes to just just getting the most out of the show, like she does not run from any social topics that are happening within within our neighborhoods. I mean, you know, on that on a Monday or Tuesday when we're coming in, like whether people are reading newspapers or watching tweets or whatever, anything that we can pull from the world and bring into our story uniquely. She doesn't run from any of that because she knows how good the show can be when it's addressing some of those social issues. So it's, it starts and stops with her. You know, she's she's about her business, but she'll be the first one to jump up on the desk and start dancing to let off some steam. And I, I feel like I feel like when you have some, somebody like that in the driver's seat, that makes everybody feel comfortable, that that empowers, you know, you know, the top executives of the show and, you know, the bottom PA people. Whenever you have somebody that can look at the, the best man and, and the lowest man on the totem pole with the same respect and honor, that's when, you know, the show can be good because at the end of the day, it goes as she goes. Now, with this show, man, I uh, just saw the clip you just posted on Good Morning America and, uh, you know, yeah. Michael Strahan and, you know, the co-host on Good Morning America talking about how much that it's it's such a great bingeable show, especially for right now, for not only people who just like entertainment, but people who miss sports and <laughs> have had a time to, you know, watch anything, you know, athletically competitive for a long time. You know, 
I've told this to a lot of entertainers, especially doing this show. Do you feel like right now, especially, there's a unique responsibility to entertain when every time you turn on the TV, it is, you know, just worse news and worse news and worse news? Um, how do you take the responsibility of being able to entertain in a time that uh, has been so dark for so many people? I'm just grateful to be able to provide something that just gives people a break. I mean, we're, you know, even, even without the quarantine, when it comes to, you know, this idea of progressing and ascending and, and getting a step forward in your job, it's, it's getting to the point now where people starting to feel like failures because they're not, you know, making that 1% better each day. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we need to live that way. I think even with the quarantine, it's allowing us to kind of take a step back and, and dive into what's important for us. And in those moments where you can't have some levity about your life and, and, you know, just kind of kick up your feet and fall into a good story. If you guys are choosing that story to be all American, great. But in general, we're in a time now to where when you, when you can relax, why not do it? You know, like the world's pretty much on halt right now. And even for those people that are, that are working from home somewhat, but just, you know, Fucking relax, man. <laughs> we, we got the time. Like I know, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen how you move. I've seen you talking on Twitter and whatnot, and I've been a fan of yours for for a few years now. But it's it's even good seeing you taking a moment, you know, to like jump tweet every now and then or get those random thoughts off because it's like, yeah, we all need to blow off some steam at the end of the day. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like right now is I, we rarely get the opportunity to just sit the fuck down and just like reassess everything you know what i mean and i always tell myself like if this wouldn't have happened i wouldn't have stopped like i I gotta you know we both got we both got similar work ethics and it's almost like you know like we're just usually on go mode and i kind of feel like god or mother nature or whatever higher power you would believe in was like all right everybody stop right now (laughs) you know what i'm saying i feel like i feel like the common misconception right now is like since everybody's at home now I'm getting like hella emails and tweets and, and DMs like, hey man, can I pick your brain right now? I'm like, nah man. That comes with a fee, my G. That comes with a fee. I'm like, you don't wanna you don't wanna pick my brain right now. My brain is not in a mindset to start giving advice and, and and to talk about the future of working and whatnot. Like I am playing with my kids, I am watching Netflix, I am unavailable right now because I shit again, we we all fucking need it. So that whole pick your brain shit right now, I'm in not happening. Weeks, in a few weeks, once I kick back up like the the OD work ethic, but right now I am fucking I'm zinned out. Absolutely, man. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about the show, man. I mean, Spencer is a guy who uh, you know seems like Superman, and you know when you put on an Instagram post the other day, you said Spencer James is the best version of yourself. Um, are there certain parts of the show that was written in that? went one way that you wish, man, had I been presented this opportunity again as a teenager, uh, I would have handled it like Spencer James did? And if so, what moment was that? Man, I, I think I think damn near everything. If I, handle, <laughs> if I could handle everything like Spencer James, man, I might be fucking fucking got the glow right now (laughs) just i mean when it when it comes to when it comes to spencer james his compass is so strongly facing north that he he rarely wavers and if he does end up wavering it's almost in a sense to help somebody else so he'll almost compromise himself to put somebody else on a better pedestal like even when it comes to you know his relationship with coop and and with olivia like 
he's willing to to go through the fire for his friends. And I, I feel like for myself, I, I do feel like I'm that way. Like you ask any of my friends, you know, I'll, I'll take off my shirt and give it to him if need be. But just seeing his confidence, seeing how how he moves in both these areas, how he doesn't waver, um, that's something. Again, like I I like to I like to make the joke that Spencer James is somewhat rewriting history for me because now people I'm telling you, man people that I went to school with people that I played with people that I met have met my parents. They're like, yo, man, I'm so sorry for your father's passing. Like, 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 like dog, you met my dad last year. What are you about? I almost so, was about to be like, damn, I'm, I'm dead ass. Like, I was watching the episode. I'm like, damn, he went through all that shit. And then, like, me and my girl literally have the Googles. Like, oh, no, dad's alive. It's like, oh, okay, Mary Cop, sweetheart. I'm like, okay, this all, this all checks out. But, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Like, I, I mean, I, I have friends that, I mean, I have people that are, they're hitting up my friends in college right now, like my college roommates, asking him, you know, what character are they on the show? Like, <laughs> my wife, my wife is getting hit up with DMs, like, "Yo, are you are you Layla or Olivia?" Like, we're kind of keeping it hush because, like, we we want the story to play out. But yeah, it's it's just been crazy the response to it and, and how much. And again, with you with you, you know, being attached with WWE, um, you know firsthand when it comes to how powerful story can be Absolutely. because at, at the end, at the end of the day, if I tell somebody, you know, one thing isn't accurate with the show, they're going to question every single thing from then on out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I actually choose not to answer those questions of what's real and what's not, because if I answer one of those things, it's the domino effect. I want, I'd rather you be, you know, for lack of a better word, ignorant, riding the wave of the story instead of, you know, attempting to defunct, every single thing that that you see on the story yeah i agree man when i was in uh wwe you know when i left the first thing people wanted to know they, they you know they want the backstage tales and like you know <laughs> what's going on behind the scenes and like you know i was one of those guys back in the day like i'd love to hear yeah. about that type of stuff but then you know you see just how much work goes into creating a story and you know when you get to see something pay off in a way like you almost don't want to take away it's like it's like knowing how the magic trick happens man like i don't want to see how you pull the rabbit out of the hat just pull the rabbit out the hat and entertain me you know what i'm saying like and you know nobody wants to see how the sausage is made we just want it nice and cooked at the end of the day so um yeah at the same time i could totally understand when it comes to crafting storytelling uh you know there's there's a magic and just being able to get lost in the story and having that talent to let people get lost in the story. And I think a lot of people have gotten lost in the story of Spencer and, and Billy and Liv and Layla and, and Asher, the entire cast and crew. Yeah, I mean, when we when I saw the cast and crew all together, uh, I'm looking around and I'm like, man, like every, again, every like seven to ten years it comes a show to where after that show has its full run, you know, 10 years after that show, you see some of the biggest names of Hollywood came from those shows. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not, it's not crazy to think that, you know, Daniel Ezra could be, you know, heading up a Marvel film in five years or, or, uh, you know, Michael who, who plays Jordan can be, you know, in a rom-com with like Emma Stone or with, you know, Tessa Thompson or some shit. Like right. it's, it's, it's crazy to see, it's going to be crazy to see what their ascension is going to look like. Speaking, speaking of ascension, man, uh, you're, 
Gosh, it's almost like we've talked all about this and we like barely even mentioned your actual football career. You're a Super Bowl champion. And you know, you play for the Giants and you know it's yeah, it's a very casual, very casual Super Bowl ring. But um, you know, like this whole show has, you know, for most people, a Super Bowl championship is the crescendo of everything, but for you, it almost kind of seems like your your life story is just kind of getting started, and it's kind of changed the entire trajectory of what an athlete could be, you know, after their life. Do you? I mean, after their sport life is 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 kind of over. Uh, do you feel like you're helping to set like a new blueprint, you know, for athletes after? The game is over. I mean, we all saw Matthew Cherry win a um, win an Oscar for uh, you know uh, I forgot the name the, the uh, hair, hair hair love hair yes love. right yeah. for uh, hair love and you know now it almost seems like you know and obviously rest in peace Kobe Bryant another Oscar winner for Dear Basketball and the trajectory for life after sports has has changed and uh, do you feel like a strong part of that as well? Uh, I mean, I feel like I'm sort of just a spoke in the wheel that's helping, you know, start that turn. Uh, and it, it goes back to, like you said, you know, guys like Michael Strahan, who Hall of Fame defensive end, and now he's like the face of America when it comes when it comes to sports and entertainment. You know, you, you think of you think of guys like The Rock that are just larger than life, and and not, no disrespect, but and not even on a smaller level. But now you have, you know, the Kobe Bryant's, you have the Matthew Cherries that are behind the scenes that are, that are starting to you know, kick the engine on, on being the change, you know, and I've met a handful of athletes, you know, after all American came out that I played with and they're like, yo, you didn't tell me you were developing this when we were together for two years in New York or two years in, in Miami. And I'm like, at the time, I didn't really know if it was good for me to mention anything like that because that just wasn't really the nature of the sport back then. But now you see guys wanting to do more. You see guys wanting to venture off into production or investments or just anything. And, and that's one thing that's part of my messaging uh, since leaving the game. It's like, yo, the NFL can be a bridge to anything and everything you want in life. Like, that shit is not the plateau for you. Like, it's I, – I almost get mad when, when players are like, you know, I'm, I just want to play football or I'm getting a $100 million contract or, you know, I remember getting into an argument with a teammate because – he challenged me and said, yo, you're not going to make as much money ever as when you're in the NFL. And I'm looking at him like, like, first off, you don't know who I am. (laughs) Second of all, all, like this shit is just a pit stop. Like I I never thought of the NFL as a career because it's, it's not something I can do for 40 years and retire. Like it's something I can do for three to 10 years and then get out and I'm 30 years old. And now I got another potential 60 years of my life to live. But when it comes to making that change or helping be a part of that change, you know, I, you know, I hit up or people hit me up, athletes, ex-athletes or whatnot. And if they have a question, if they want to get on the phone, I'm all ears for it. I, I'll sit down with them and, and give them that 15, 20, 30 minutes because, you know, it's somebody did it for me. And it's my job just fucking leave the door open. Um, one question I have, uh, and this kind of goes back to the Vince Staples tweet from a couple of days ago. And I think Tyrone, who was uh, played by Demetrius Ship, uh, responded back like, yeah, man, if this is if this is real life, it would have went down like that. So was was there was there a real life Tyrone in your life? No, uh, so not necessarily. Right. So a lot, a, a lot of the characters um, that we've created are embodiments of a handful of different people and a handful of experiences that I went through. Uh, it's it's better to have you know six or seven main characters 
than to keep the revolving door of new characters and experiences coming up. And it gets expensive for a TV show. So when we were thinking about, you know, what could the show be and, and who would want to be in the show, and I started telling them, you know, going to parties in the hood and, you know, it getting shot up and, you know, seeing dead bodies and, and you know, the house next to me getting, you know, drive-bys. And I've had to walk over dead bodies to get out of clubs and to get out of parties or whatnot. Like Once we started to understand that, like, as great and as friendly and, and family-centric is as South Central is, there's also a danger element. And that's what that's what uh, Demetrius Ship character represents is the overall danger of South Central. Whereas, you know, you think about Sean's story in, in uh, season one, you know, he was in and of that life, but he had something click to him and he was like, yo, let me get out. Sometimes South Central don't let you out of your circumstances. And that's essentially what... Uh, what Tyrone represents is this, this like overarching, just evil that can be in any area. So, uh, last couple of questions before I get you out of here, man. Uh, season three, you know, everybody's been through season one and two. Uh, it's got a whole lot of momentum going. Um, I would love to know, you know, uh, spoiler alert. So, anybody who hasn't seen anybody who hasn't seen the whole season, you could skip right over this part right now. Uh, Spencer and Billy end up going to uh, transfer into Crenshaw High School to save the high school and bring the resources there. Uh, what else can we expect from the next season of All American? Man, I think you just understand these. You know, as these kids enter senior year, um, everything that comes with that. You know, life changes. The the idea that. You know, these kids may not be in the same position altogether um, moving forward, uh, you know, with college looming, with understanding that, you know, Spencer and, and Jordan and, and a lot of these athletes are going to have to make a decision on where they're going to play at the next level. So, uh, you know, I think over the next season, potentially two seasons, you're going to understand that, you know, we all remember our high school days. We always say, you know, high school, the best time of our life. We're going to be able to see that play out over the course of the next season or two because these kids are growing up, and I'm I'm interested to see, you know, where they go. Like I I know for the for the most part, like Spence is going to mimic somewhat my my life, but that's the magic of it is not being tied down to exactly my story. So just overall growth and just again we. We're not stopping when it comes to fucking y'all up with these stories. <laughs> I hope <laughs> not. God damn. I was like, I, I got a lot of the storylines for season three in my head right now, and I, I want to tell the world about it. But, you know, come October when we premiere again, it's, it's going to be a fun ride again. So uh, last question I got for you, man. Um, you know, a lot of shows, a lot of great shows that have been put out that end up standing the test of time. A lot of times they've put like a cap on when they want to tell the story, whether it's Game of Thrones, whether it's The Sopranos, like certain elements of their life uh, or certain uh, elements of the main character's life, they always wanted to end at a certain point. This being a show based loosely on a true story, do you see the show going into college, into the pros, or is there a certain specific time of uh, your life or, you know, of Spencer's life that you want to tell for this TV show before you end it? Or do you want to just keep this going forever? Man, I, I'm down to let it go as long as it needs to. Uh, I, I always make the joke that as the show goes, I got to keep on doing shit in this industry, or else the show's going to end on a on a on a down note. So, like, I gotta I gotta keep on ascending, keep on you know getting other ideas off the ground, and, and keep on progressing because at the end of the day, I feel like Spencer James is damn near catching up to me in terms of the real shit. But 
you know, when it, when it comes to college, you know, potentially the NFL and life thereafter, let's tell it. Uh, I've always been, I've always been keen on those stories of, of athletes that have walked away from the game. And if we are fortunate enough to get into whatever season that may be, and, and Smith is now looking to other ventures as a, as a, you know, as a black man in America, having gone through what he's gone through, I think even that, even those storylines can, can do some good. Well, Spencer, man, it's always good catching up with you, brother. Much success. Congratulations on All-American. I love this show, and a lot of people seem to love it as well. If you haven't, check it out on Netflix, on the CW Network, wherever you get it. And, uh, Spence, stay safe. Take care of the family. And uh, we'll catch up pretty soon, my man. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been a joy seeing you rise over the past few years. And like I always tell you, man, I'm just trying to keep pace with you. <laughs> well, you know what? Send us, uh, save, uh, save a guest spot for me on season three, bro. If you got a, if you got a spot for a <laughs> podcast host or something, yes. something of like that, I'm holding you to it. All right. Next time, next time you're in LA, you got to come by set. Oh, next time, should I be? Well, whenever flights are ready to fly again, I'll be, I'll be the first, I'll be the first thing smoking over there, bro. Yeah, man, we start filming in July, so anytime out there between July and, and mid-January, you're, you're good to come. Well, this, this is on the record, so I'm holding you to this. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, I got you. All right, Spence, take care, bro. Much love. Yeah, I'll talk to you. And that's a wrap on the show. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kazim, that's K-A-Z-E-E-M, and you can follow the page on Twitter, Say Less with Kaz. That's S-A-Y-L-E-S-S-W-I-T-H-K-A-Z. Thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud, all those places. Appreciate y'all listening. Leave a nice review, maybe a comment if it's nice enough. And I'll catch you next week or next day or however long we're doing this shit. But say less.